uh, might be a little bit surprised with. Because the title of today's message is Heaven. Heaven. Yeah. Sonia has been telling me for, I think, about two years, two or three years now, you need to preach on heaven. You need to preach on heaven. You need to preach on heaven. Uh, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm getting there, baby. And uh, so... Things have lined up this morning. Now, I will take a little bit of time. Uh, I won't rush. This will be a few weeks because uh, the things that are contained in these two chapters, Revelation chapter 21 and 22, we're going to begin in Revelation 21 this morning, verses 1 through 4. We're talking about heaven. And we're simply entitling this part of the series, Home Sweet Home. Home Sweet Home. Any of us that have ever traveled before, any of us that have ever been away from home an extended period of time, uh, whether on a, you know, vacation or extended trip or to have your knee replaced, yeah, uh, have experienced this. It's, it's exciting to get out and to go new places. It's exciting to experience new things. It's exciting to see uh, and, and visit you know, things that we've never seen before. But after a while, we get homesick. We get ready to go home. Uh, the beds in the hotel don't sleep like our bed. The pillows ain't the same. I'm peculiar about pillows now, okay? You, you don't just throw any pillow under my head. No, no, no. I will pitch a fit. you got to have the right pillow. And I've got four of them on my bed at home that are just the right. And I take a little grief for that. Sonia says you don't need four pillows, but I do. But it's my pillow. You see, things at home are... Just the way we like them. Things at home are comfortable to us. It's a place where we can go and we can feel safe, we can feel loved, we can feel secure, and we can be at ease. There's no place other than home where we get that particular feeling. But I want us to see and to look this morning. You see, this is one of the most important things in the life of the believer. This is one of the most important concepts for the believer to grasp a hold of. So let's go ahead and get started. Revelation chapter 21. Let's begin reading in verse 1. Apostle John, writing what he has been shown, says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. 
And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now let's stop right there. That's enough to preach on for the rest of eternity. So we've still got another chapter and a half, a chapter and three-fourths to go. But we're just going to look at these four verses this morning. We're just going to look at what John is showing and revealing to us. Listen, heaven, heaven is the one reality that the evil one, oh Satan, is frantic, is absolutely just out, bent on. To obscure from the believer's view. He does not want us to see that. He does not want us to believe in that. If he can take our sight off of the fulfillment of the promise of God. And that's what heaven is. The promise of God. If he can take our sight off of that. Then he can more easily discourage us. What? On our walk with the king. He can trip us up. See for the believer. It is absolutely, absolutely essential to keep our head above the mires of sin in this world and our eyes fixed on what's ahead. We got to see what's down the road. We got to see what is before us. We got to see where we're going, where we're headed. Because this world, this world, if we get caught up in this, oh, we'll get, we'll get bogged down. You see, we're going all the way past, okay? We're going all the way past a lot of things that we would talk about before. The millennial kingdom, the, the, the second coming, the rapture, all these things, these, these things are on past this. Notice what John says there. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. You see in the previous chapter, just a few verses back before that, in chapter 20, we had the great white throne judgment. Death, Satan have been cast away. They are no more. They are gone. Not chained, not bound, they're gone. They are in the lake of fire forever. All those whose name were not found written in the book of life, gone. They're in the lake of fire forever. And then John transitions and says in this first verse, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. It's kind of like, you know what it's like when you're, when we dream. And you know how, how, crazy that is sometimes we can be in one spot and we can be feel like we're you know experiencing things here wherever we're at in our dream and just all of a sudden we'll turn around and how did I get here so quick how how did that happen so quick and you 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 know you you know that you're dreaming and yeah it's like you go and it's like how did that happen well this is this is what's happening with John you see this is what we need to understand he's being shown these things He sees the last great white throne judgment and then he turns and he sees, 
the new heaven and the new earth. This first verse is a general statement of what he said. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. You see, what I want to do, what I want to accomplish as we go through this study and this series is to kind of break down some of the stereotypes of heaven. Number one, number one, if you have any concept of what heaven is based off of anything you have seen on a movie or a TV show, forget it. Okay, let's just start right off the bat with that. Absolutely forget it. You see, when we leave the walks of this life, when we leave this earth and we go to be with our Lord, we have not reached heaven yet. Technically, what the Bible calls heaven. This is this city. Heaven is the new Jerusalem. Heaven is the new earth. We, you see, that's all the way through the millennial kingdom. That's all the way through. You know, you, and, and, it's, and it sounds real good. You know, you hear uh, preachers at funerals and everything. You know, talk about, uh, you know, whether they're uh, having a great reunion day and they're uh, walking on streets of gold. And it's like, not yet. Not yet. Where do we go when we leave the walks of this life? Well, very plainly, Jesus tells us where we go. He told the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, what? Today, today, you will be with me where? In paradise. In paradise. Okay? In paradise. What is paradise? What is paradise? Where is paradise? You see, because this is the place. And the closest we can get to truly understanding and explaining what and where paradise is, is by what we see from those who have stepped across the bound and come back to write about it. As far as I know, that is John the Apostle and Paul the Apostle. And I think probably Peter saw some things too uh, based on what he wrote. But what can we expect when we leave the walks of this life? We can probably expect to enter into that dimension, that time where Christ is at. Paradise. What's going on in paradise? What's happening in paradise? Well, what did John see when he walked across that line? We've got it right here. That's what we're reading from this morning. That's what John saw. John didn't, you know, he, he saw a lot of things happening and, and, and the angel went and showed him and Jesus showed him a lot of things that would happen in the future. But what was happening at that time he crossed over? What was he seeing? What was he experiencing? Listen, he was seeing what was going on. What was happening? That throughout all of time, from the beginning, we have been at war. We have been at war. Spiritual warfare. Remember Paul talks about that. For what? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. These things. We see that in Daniel. When, when uh, uh, 
Michael comes over there and, you know, when Gabriel is sent to Daniel and he talks about Michael's over there battling and fighting and it took me two and a half weeks to get here, Daniel. God sent me to you, but it took me two and a half weeks to get here uh, through your fasting and through your praying because I've been involved in a battle. And you see, through this we understand that the, the spiritual warfare that is going on Manifest itself by what happens here on earth. People think God has forgotten me. People think that God don't care about us. Oh, no, no, no. You see, this city that John saw is the ultimate fulfillment of the promise that God has given us. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. You see what's happening here, okay? A lot of people have looked at history, okay? Well, Adam and Eve uh, ate of the fruit of the tree, uh, sinned against God, and uh, just, you know, everything has been, you know, derailed everything, and it's been off track ever since then, and just, you know, nothing has happened Nothing has happened the way that it was supposed to. God's plans have been thwarted and it's just, you know, all gone awry. No. No, no, no. What? When, when God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit looked down and said, let us make mankind in our image and let them have dominion over the earth. You see, the original intent of Elohim, the creation of man and woman, was to reflect their image. For them to reflect the image of the triune God for all of eternity. For there to be no more sorrow, no more pain, no more death. That was the original intent of creation. Now who messed that up? Guilty. Guilty. I'm sorry. But we're guilty. But you see. Christ's intent. Because we know as the primary agent in creation. His intent was to give this creation to the Father. For his honor and his glory. His ultimate honor and glory. The kingdoms of this earth have become the kingdoms of of our king and of his Christ. And we see that when he does this, the reason that he comes back to this earth to sit on the throne during the millennial kingdom is to bring this earth under subjection and ultimately bring it to where it was supposed to be in the first place and then he will present it to the Father. And when he does... That's the point in time that Peter talks about over there in 2 Peter. When he says that the uh, day of the Lord which comes like a thief in the night and the elements shall be melted with fervent heat. Listen to this. A fisherman, a first century fisherman from Galilee talks about the elements, stoichio, that was the, the Greek term that he used, and it means the 
basic breakdown. The Greeks knew about the atom, or you know, they had a concept of the atom, and they thought that was as far as you could break down anything. It couldn't go any further. They didn't have any understanding about uh, uh, particle physics or anything like that, subatomic particles. But Peter, but Peter says the elements shall be melted with fervent heat. You see, it, it wasn't until a little bit in, uh, toward the middle of the last century that scientists finally figured out that you could melt the elements. It's when they built the H-bomb, when they built the first atomic bomb. That's what that is. It's melting of the elements. But this fisherman from Galilee, writing about the end of time, writing about the time when God will make all things new, said he's going to melt the elements with fervent heat. He understood, and he knew. And you see, he talked about this uh, uh, in the same way that John talks about the new heaven and the new earth for the first in the first heaven and earth were passed away. Okay? So we're not taking a trip to heaven when we leave this life. We're going to paradise, okay? We're going to paradise. Don't get, don't get upset. We're going to paradise. But what we think of as heaven, you see, because there's so, so little information and, and there's so much out there on it, so many opinions out there, it kind of gets, heaven is one of those things where we just kind of, uh, you know, well, nobody really knows, so, uh, you know, it's okay to think about, you know, whatever, uh, you know, well, some people say, well, I'm going to float on the clouds and play a harp. And, you know, other people like, you know, I'm going to build a, a cabin over there in the edge and, you know, stuff like that. And it's okay. Listen, our God is a God of order. Our God is a God of love. Our God is a God of law, of justice, of mercy, of grace. And he does not desire that we walk around in this life haphazardly, not knowing what his intentions for us are. He has given us of his word. He has given us a glimpse. You know that scripture over there says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. But then if you look at the verse right after that, it says, but he has revealed these things to us by his spirit, the Holy Spirit. He does not desire us to be ignorant of these things. You don't pass through this life, get to the other side, and it's, you know, uh, kicking up the gold dust of the streets of heaven. You haven't got to the streets of heaven yet. You're in paradise. And there's a war going on. And there's got to be a completion, a finish brought to this war. That's what the millennial kingdom was about, or will be about. Because what, what Adam and Eve did when we transgressed against God, when we walked away from God, we handed over the deed to this earth that he gave us dominion over. I'll give you dominion. They'll have dominion over the earth. Well, we, here you go, Satan, take this. And so now what sin, Peter talks about this, that what, not only do we groan from the sin but creation groans creation groans 
from the sin, that we have placed the curse of sin. And you see, that was not the intent of God, of Elohim, at the creation. So we're going to have to what? Have a new heaven and a new earth. I told you I was going to take this slow, okay? There's a lot of stuff. I want, I, my, my, my mind is racing to about five verses ahead, but I'm trying to hold it in. I'm trying to, to reel it in there because I want us to understand what God has in store for us. Because, you see, it's when we take our eyes off of this one thing. Christ has saved us by his blood. We're saved. If we believe in him, we put our faith and our trust in him, we are saved. But what have we been saved for and unto? He saved us for a reason. We were created for a reason. And you see, it's getting back to that that is the struggle of the believer. It's walking that in this life. Because for 6,000 years now, almost 6,000, coming up on 6,000 years, Satan has been laying minefields and building a trap for every born-again believer to rob them of their joy, to rob them of their future, that he might put into their mind doubt and confusion about the things that God has for his children. How can he how can he discourage you? How can he bring and drag you down? How can he bury your witness for the king? He gets your eyes off of what the king has promised. He gets your eyes off of home. Home. Home, sweet home. And when we get our eyes off a of home, we begin to lose hope. We begin to doubt. We begin to let things creep into our life that have no business being there. Church, you see, that's the thing that I'm talking about. For the born again believer. Now, is, is anybody in here that's been saved, that's been born, that's been washed by the blood? Now, ever since that time, I'm sure that everybody has always spoken well of you, haven't they? What? I'm sure that everything has always went right since that time, hasn't it? What? Huh. You see, Satan is trying to defeat you. Satan wants to take your eyes off of where we're headed. He wants to take your mind off of what God has promised. Because by doing that, he can defeat your witness. Because when somebody in this life comes up and begins to assail me, talk about me, Make fun of me. 
Oh, you believe in that rapture stuff? You believe in this Jesus stuff? You believe in the, uh, the afterlife or life after death? You believe in all that stuff? My, my fleshly instinct is to pound them into oblivion. Okay, I'm just being honest. That's my fleshly instinct. I'm sick and tired of people talking about my God that way. I'm sick and tired of people who just absolutely have no concept of what God has done for them, and they just spit in his face. It makes, it enrages me. Okay, I'll just put it, I'll just tell you very plainly. It enrages me, and I want to destroy them. But that's not my calling. That's not my calling. What does he say? He gave us, he gave us the commandment when he left, did You go, you go, to all the nations. You, you tell people what I've taught you. You tell them what I've taught you. You tell them how to live, how to live it, what they need to do. You teach these things. You preach these things. You live these things to them. Remember what Pilate said to Jesus? Are you a king? You're a king? Yeah. Well, so you're, you're the king of, king of the Jews then. So I should be worried about you trying to overtake the kingdom here. And Jesus laughs. A kingdom is not of this world. Because if it was, then would my servants fight? You see, that's not, that time hadn't come. He didn't tell him it was coming. <laughs> he didn't say, uh, pack your lunch, pilot. Sit around and look because it's coming. But he said, listen, my kingdom is not yet. What we are to do is to go out and to, to preach and to teach and to be an example to a lost and a dying world. Because you see, truly and honestly, truly and honestly, there are just not that many people who actually believe this today. I mean, I'm, I'm, it, 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 it saddens me to say that. And you're like, well, you know, Joey, how can you, how can you judge people like that? How, ain't that judging? It's like, no, absolutely not. Because you see, it doesn't matter. I can tell you I believe this all day long. I can tell you, oh, well, yeah, I believe Jesus is coming back for me. Oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is coming back. And I go out here and, you know, I went over there and I, I, I bought a lawnmower from this guy and it wasn't no good. And, uh, you know, I gave him $20 for it and. You know, just fixed it up, painted it a little bit, and, you know, got it going. It looks like a, I mean, like a brand new. Come on, Archie, come on over here. You give me $200, man, this is the deal. I'll sell you this, this lawnmower. You see, you go out here and act just the same way that the world acts. Worried about nothing but how can you get gain in the world? How can you, how can you make, uh, uh, you know, advances in the world? When you believe in the promise of God, when you believe in what God has left us and what God has shown us, when you believe that there is a new heaven and a new earth headed this way, it changes how you live. There can be no mistake about it. It radically changes who you are. You can't act the same way anymore. Not when you believe this. 
And you see, there's so many people today walking through this life that thinks all they've got to do is show up to church, that, you know, put a little in the offering plate or something like that, uh, just uh, go through the motions, and hey, everything's going to be all right. But it's not. This new heaven and this new earth that is coming to us, when we take our eyes off of that, we begin to get weary. Notice what John says here in the second verse. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Okay? So this is after the thousand-year millennial kingdom, the great white throne judgment, Everything uh, has, has happened that is going to happen. Peter's told us that, that all the earth has been burned up uh, with uh, fervent heat. All these things have been basically for probably what we're looking at is a re-cleansing of this earth. In much the same way that this earth was covered with a flood of water in the days of Noah. We'll see a fire engulf this earth and cleanse it from all the filth and junk that is on it now. And you see, John sees what? The holy city. The holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. So all this... The, the New Jerusalem is like not where paradise is at yet. Where we go when we die. The New Jerusalem is not there yet. You remember what Christ said when he told the disciples, you believe in God, believe also in me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe God, believe also in me. I go to prepare a place for you. I'm not going to jump ahead. Because I want, you to, I want you to study up on Revelation 21 and 22 and really look, really look, because we're going to talk about heaven here in the coming weeks. We're going to talk about what is actually what we consider heaven and what that technically is. It is the new heaven, the new earth with the new Jerusalem that will come down. It is where God will dwell with his people. Now get this, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's not happened before. That's the way it was supposed to be. That's not happened before. Right now the Spirit was with us. Christ is, went back to the Father. When Christ was here, the Spirit was waiting to come down. And the Father has dealt with us from the throne. No man has seen God face to face at any time. No one. If, if anyone has ever seen God in the scriptures, they're looking at Jesus Christ. But we're talking about a place where they all dwell with us simultaneously. And we are their people. You see, that just, it boggles the mind. It just absolutely boggles the mind. And most people today will say, you know, you're crazy. You're crazy. Because why? 
because this is 2017 by Cracky. I've got a I've got an iPhone. I can call it. I can call the other side of the world if I want to. I'm on the computer. I got the internet. You know, we're modernized people, and here we're talking about uh, a new heaven and a new earth coming down out of the sky. Satan has got us right here. Yeah, you keep you you tell them how smart you are, mankind. <laughs> You tell them how you got it figured out, old great scientist man. Yeah, you tell them about that. Don't let them put that crazy stuff over on you believing in God and all such as that. You see, Satan has got us right here. Because most people in the church today are scared to say anything about God creating. And God is sending his son back for you and I, that he has prepared for us a home where we will be at peace for eternity. I'm trying my best not to get excited. <laughs> I don't want Archie to get too excited because he's just had knee surgery. So we're going to keep it low key here the first few weeks, but as soon as you recover, we're going to have a fit. Absolutely have a fit. Because this is what it's all about. Verse 3, and I heard a great voice. John continuing. I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle, the tent, the dwelling of God is with men. <laughs> you got that right. And now, ladies, let me tell you now, don't get, don't get bent out of shape with this King James translation, okay? So when it says men, it means mankind. It means man and woman. It's not a male-female thing. Go back to Genesis where it says, let us create man. He was talking about man and woman. So we're all going to be there. This ain't no Mormon translation. All right? The tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Yes. You see, one of the reasons, likely one of the reasons that we have to spend a thousand years in the millennial kingdom, you know, number one, that's the fulfillment of, of, of God's plan for Israel, for the Messiah to rule on the throne of David. That's that fulfillment. But also, think about this. Because the believers, those of us that are believe, that have been saved, we shall what? Be priest and king with him. We'll rule and reign with him. Basically, what we're looking at is the time that Christ dwelt here on the earth. Those three and a half years, he did what? He, he had 12 disciples that he taught about the kingdom. Now, he's going to take all his children and teach them about the kingdom for a thousand years. You see, this the millennial kingdom, as great and magnificent as it is, is still not heaven. It's not heaven yet. 
I mean, people are going to live for hundreds and hundreds of years. The curse is going to be lifted. Uh, warfare is going to be over with, but it's still not heaven yet. We're just getting there. And you see, Christ for a thousand years is going to teach us in much the same way he taught the disciples about the kingdom, about the truth of the kingdom. And it's probably going to take a thousand years to get it through to some of us. To really grasp a hold of what God has in store for us in heaven. In heaven. Verse 4, then we're going to close up. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more Neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. Okay? Now you see, we may look at this. I don't know if you've ever even thought about it before, but it's, it's kind of a, uh, you know, we think of, uh, of, of heaven. Okay? We think of uh, being in the presence of God that, you know, oh, you know, there'll be no tears there and, and all such as this. But I want you to notice this. There, there is crying. There is crying going on at this point in eternity where all things have been made new or are fixing to be made new. All right. The, the earth has been cleansed. Satan has been judged. And yet it will be necessary at this point for God to wipe away tears from our eyes. Why is that? Why is that? You see, as great and magnificent, as wondrous, as glorious as this day is, it will also be just as sad, just as cold, just as empty, just as horrible for those who do not know Jesus Christ. And you see, I can truthfully tell you that some of those I have in my family. I've got, I've got those in my family. And to think about that. I'm worried about what tomorrow? I'm worried about what next week? When eternity hangs in the balance for those that I love? I'm worried about what who said, said what about me? Why? Because my eyes are not fixed on where they need to be fixed. If all I'm worried about is what this world thinks about me, yeah, I'll get bent out of shape about something like that. But if I've got my eyes fixed where they need to be fixed, I understand I don't care what kind of snares Satan throws out in front of me. That's not what I'm worried about. Kill me. Take this body. Take this life. But you cannot have my soul. That belongs to him. That belongs to him. And in the end, guess what? You may kill this body, but I get it back anyway. I get it back anyway. But you see, 
at this point, God is going to have to wipe away the tears. Those of our loved ones that did not make that journey, that did not make that choice, that did not make that decision. Listen. I can't think of anything that will torment, torment the lost throughout eternity more than this. They will have their memory of their loved ones. They will remember those times. They will remember that witness that their loved ones had for them. But listen, they'll also have the knowledge of knowing that their loved ones don't remember them anymore. That that memory has been erased. God shall wipe away all tears. You're not going to go through eternity wondering about what might have been. No. No, no. You're not going to go through eternity wondering, well, if I could have just known. Uh, uh, uh. No, no, no. God is going to wipe away all tears from their eyes. There will be no more death. God. He's burning in the lake of fire. There will be no more sorrow. You're not going to come around the bend one day of the river of life and think, well, I wonder what happened. No, no, no. Those memories, those remembrances are gone. They're gone. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. This is leaves us at the brink of the rest of the chapter for next week, and I want you to go and to study that. Because next week we're going to read two of the the, the most magnificent words that have ever been written by the pen of a man. They're inspired by Holy Spirit. But these two verses are the promise of a creation going to rise fulfilled. And you see here what we see. Heaven is way, way, way more than anything that we have really ever stopped to consider to understand. And heaven, dear child of God, is real. It's his, listen, heaven is more real than this right here. Heaven is more firm than this. Heaven is more sure than, than what I see in front of my eyes. It is real. It is absolutely real. 
We need to know. We need to understand that. Satan wants us to put that out of our mind. No, no, no. You're too smart for that. You're too advanced for that. Don't, don't buy into that stuff. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Listen, child of God. Brother Mayo, come with a verse of a song. This is going to be our invitation here today. Like I said, there is no, I mean, words, I don't have the words. I, I can't describe the, the absolute desperation, the absolute desolation that, that would inhabit the life of someone who passes from life unto death and doesn't know Jesus Christ. That's, that's the most important thing. And you see, church, we've got to, we've got to live that life to those around us, to the lost and, and the dying world around us. And we've got to do it in, in the manner that Christ told us to. We've got to live that life. All these peripheral things around us in our life don't matter. They don't. It's, it's just little hooks and barbs that Satan's trying to throw into our life to weigh us down, to slow us down. And if we take our eyes off of the promise, we begin to slow, we begin to drag, and eventually we'll begin to stumble or fall. And that's what Satan wants. That's what Christ meant by, you know, any man that sits his hand to the plow and looks back is not worthy of the kingdom. You got to understand. You got to grab the plow. You got to go, and you got to keep going, and keep going, and keep going. But the only humanly way that you and I can do something like that is when we're our head is above the mires of sin, and we can see where we're headed. We can see where we're headed. Oh, you're crazy! You can believe that stuff. Yeah, keep on talking, son. I can see where I'm headed. Oh, no, this stuff ain't true. No, no, no. I can see where I'm headed. I see the kingdom. I see the key. And I know these things are true. I know these things will be fulfilled. Just as good as if it has already had been done. Listen. Let us live that life before lost in the dying world, especially in today's time, especially in today's time. Listen, that's one of the, the things about uh, preaching about heaven, you know, that, that uh, most people uh, will say something about, uh, yes, all you Christians think about, you know, pie in the sky stuff and just, uh, no, listen, I believe the king is interested in you knowing the truth about the coming kingdom. I believe he wants you to have uh, knowledge of that. I believe it increases our faith and helps us in our walk. It's not some myth. It's not some fairy tale. No, no, no. Not even close. This is the truth. This is history. This is coming history. What shall be done? What shall be accomplished? And I want each and every one of us in here to be a part of it. I want our friends and our families and our loved ones to be a part of it. But we've got to live that life before.
If there's something you want to take care of at these altars this morning, listen, I want you to come and do that. Listen, if you uh, are here today and never accepted Christ as Savior, listen, to get to this place that we're talking about here this morning, this is what you've got to do. You've got to believe that he died for your sins, just like the Bible tells us. You've got to believe that he was buried and that he rose again, just like scriptures tell us. It's like what we keep talking about. Uh, the Gospels don't just tell us about Jesus. Jesus is in Genesis 1-1 all the way to Revelation 22. Jesus is in there everywhere. He's all over the place. He's in everything. He's in every comma. He's in every period. He's in every space. He's in every underscore. Whatever those little hook things are over the letters, he's in them too. He is in everything in Scripture. And that's what you have to do is believe that Christ has done this for you. Man, can you, you believe that and you get that. <laughs> what a bargain. What a deal. But you see, it cost him something. Matter of fact, it cost him everything. He is God. And yet he brought himself down to a man died on a cross for somebody like me. You can, you can have that promise today. You can have that. So while we stand,